Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with David Wallaloo. He's the author of Volatile State, Iran in the Nuclear Age. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. So I got this book and I saw the title and I went, whoa, <laughs> this is going to be heavy, but a good heavy because we haven't had a book like this on the show. Um, I think the title says it all right off the bat. Why write a book like this? I mean, what's your background to even get into all this heavy duty stuff? <laughs> Well, uh, currently, I am the founder of a global perspective consulting firm uh, located in Dallas. I am also a global speaker on uh, geopolitics and also on international business. I, uh, I worked as an international security analyst in Washington, D.C. for over 16 years, and I hold a Ph.D. in international security. So um, I have a military background because I spend a lot of time in the Middle East. So that allows me to have a better understanding on the realities and what's taking place on the ground for me to write a book about like uh, Mm -hmm. about Iran on nuclear Iran. So this is your wheelhouse. That is correct. To put it mildly. That is correct. So tell me about the genesis. Why did you feel you needed to write this book? Is there nothing else out there like it or there, there are other books that aren't as accurate or aren't accurate in your opinion? There are some books out there. It's just the other books that are out there, which are very limited, by the way, they don't address the combination between the political aspects and the business aspects. Ah, My reason for writing this book is because I wanted the business community to understand that you can engage in a ventures, economic ventures, especially now with the sanctions being lifted on Iran, Mm -hmm. without understanding or have a better understanding on the geopolitical landscape. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll get into the geopolitical landscape in a moment and what that means exactly. Um, At a very basic level, David, what is your argument you're making in the book? My argument is that after 15 years following the agreement between the P5, which uh, those are the uh, permanent members of the UN Security Council, France, China, Russia, the US and England, Mm -hmm. plus Germany uh, and Iran regarding the nuclear agreement, after 15 years, that's where the big question is. We right. don't know if Iran is going to go ahead into the enrichments and turning the enrichment into weaponized uh, a nuclear device. Right. That's where my concern is. The other side of the argument also, I'm thinking, okay, if I can provide a narrative for readers to understand that maybe this agreement will open up the path, not only from an economic perspective, but also bring Iran into the international community. Mm-hmm. And that's where... It's the million-dollar question. Exactly. Well, that's why I was so excited to talk to you because in the news right now, President Trump, he's often saying that the deal President Obama made with Iran, don't quote me, but he says in general, this is the worst deal in the history of all deals. This is the, the, you know, (laughs) it couldn't have gotten any worse. Do you agree with that? Well, respectfully, I disagree with that because that was a little bit of exaggeration there. Because (laughs) it is indeed. Because I read some of the terms of the agreement between the P5 and Iran. And and as of today, based on reports issued by the Pentagon and the U.S. institutions and the U.N., Iran is holding its end of the bargain. 
Mm-hmm. So if we are to say, meaning they're not building up their nuclear, they're reserve. not enriching, enriching. uranium, yeah. right? Okay, they are, they are they are holding their end of the bargain. Okay, so we're gonna have to be very careful how sometimes because words tends to turn into policies when it comes down to international relations. Right. There's one thing that readers or even average citizens mm-hmm. need to understand that in international relations, context matters. What we say to the outside world. Will, will reflect. So why does Trump say it's so bad? At the core of it, what is his problem? Well, it's basically, in my opinion, that's probably just sure. to satisfy let's, the base. Let's preface this all in your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's just our opinions, right? It's just to satisfy the base. Uh-huh. That's all it is. Okay. Because as I said again, Iran, and I'm not defending Iran here, but Iran is holding its end, its end of the bargain. IEEA, the one that is tasked by the UN to conduct inspections, they found that Iran is holding its end of the And bargain. Iran isn't sideswiping us? They're not doing something shady to avoid, to, to pass the tests, but, you know, just to cover things up on the day the inspectors happen to be there? Well, as Reagan said, if you recall, trust but verify. Right. And we are verifying. We are verifying. And they are holding their ends of the bargain. How are we verifying? Well, we have mechanism by the IAEA, which reports to the UN Security Council, okay. that Iran indeed is adhering to the regulations that were set forth by in the agreement between P5 plus 1 and Iran. Okay. So this is strictly propaganda then. This is That's just all, to speak to his base. That's all it is. Okay. Why is Obama the one who's finally achieved this? What did he do differently, you think, than his predecessors? Well, remember, Obama, when he came to office, he campaigned on the theme of why don't we negotiate with the enemies we see? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Something might be good. Something good might come out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that will be considered for his legacy one of the big achievements. Right. You're talking to Iran. What we do not know in the United States is that, and believe it or not, when you go to Iran, for example, you visit Tehran, you won't believe how much they know about baseball, how much they know about Elvis Presley, how much they know about rock and roll. Mm. It's just what the media is projecting. Right. that That was part of what I wrote. Especially in the chapter two about the history uh-huh. of Iran, how it used to be and how it is today. But they do have an understanding of how the West operates and thinks and so forth. Right. So Obama approached it from that particular aspect. Now knew. we have a different occupier in the White House with a different mindset. Right. And you can just see where the dynamics are going. So let's take a step back, David, and just quickly go over the deal that Obama put in place. It says that for 15 years, Iran, and I'm talking on sort of a fifth grade level, Mm -hmm. they refused to build up their nuclear, their uranium, their arsenal, Mm -hmm. right? But then the issue that a lot of people have with it is it's sort of a band-aid. What happens in 15 years, which you briefly mentioned earlier, right? That's That's correct. That's the unknown. That's correct. And that's, we do have the mechanism by which at that time we're going to have to verify again. Because when I say we have a mechanism, it doesn't mean we're only going to verify today and we're not going to verify anything till about 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. That verification is going to be continuous. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. And we can decide along, when I say we, along with the other partners, what type of mechanism we need to change. Mm, right. What type of Over the next 15 years, exactly. trial and error. Exactly. It's just how we came out right. to average citizen. They don't, they don't understand the, the language per se. Of they course. don't read between the lines. No, it is very confusing because 
especially in, it is in the world we live in. There's a lot of conflicting headlines, and depending on the channel you watch and your um, you know position and your politics, you see things very differently. Are you suspicious at all that Iran is following? I mean, based on you have a lot of experience in this arena, do you think it's suspicious that they're following all the rules? And uh, as of today, they are. Mm-hmm. However, I would not rule out as I wrote down in the book that Iran could go three pathways. It could go the path that Libya did, it could go the path that currently North Korea is going, or it could go the path Japan did. Uh-huh. Well, we know what happened with Japan after World War II. As to Libya... Well, just tell everybody again. Okay. <laughs> for, for Japan, is they decided to dismantle their military. They would not have any military whatsoever. In return, the United States would sign a treaty mm-hmm. to protect Japan. Right. Under whatever circumstances, and we can't back from that treaty. Mm-hmm. So they give up everything. In Libya's case, it was only 2003 that we sent a delegation to Libya to negotiate the dismantlement of their enrichment program. Mm-hmm. And Libya agreed, and we went ahead and removed uh, Libya, I should say, from the uh, list of the terrorist sponsoring terrorist uh, uh, countries. Right. That leaves us with what? North Korea, uh-huh. which we still have a deal with it as of today. Iran, however, decided, okay, I'm not even going the path North Korea did mm-hmm. because they are pursuing their nuclear program. They right. decided to come to an agreement with P5 plus one right. in order to have sanctions lifted, in order to join the international community and prosper like every other C-Suite Radio. Tell everybody, I know what you're talking about, P5 plus one. What do you mean by that? It's the permanent members of the United Security Council, France, England, United States, China, and Russia. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. When this deal was made, it includes P5. That is correct. The United States was speaking on behalf. Right. That does not mean that the United States alone can decide. Right. So what President Trump is talking about is talking about from the United States perspective. France has already expressed its objection to that. Germany has already expressed its objection to that. Russia and China, they're going to just veto whatever. So that leaves just England. England's going to be being torn apart, whether to go with the agreement or go against it. Okay. So let's go a little bit, David, into this uh, world of you know the political aspect versus the business aspect. Because one of my questions going into this book, I thought, okay, I'm about to find out, is this a political book or a business book? It's both. a combination yes, of both. which I found out it is both, and it has to be. It, it has to be, because my reason for deciding to write about this, not only from a geopolitical or political aspects, it's also to provide uh, the business community with an understanding that now the sanctions have been lifted, the Europeans, the Chinese, the Russians, the Turks are already benefiting from the economic ventures with right. Iran. And those are in the serious billions and billions of dollars. Right, so let's just kind of get to the to the nuts and bolts of it. So what sanctions have been lifted that have, that have allowed these other countries in Europe to benefit and not us? Okay. How come we haven't benefited? Well, there is one thing that, again, most Americans do not understand, that the sanctions on Libya are on two tracks. They are the U.S. sanctions and they are the international sanctions. Right. The international sanctions have been approved by the, UNI, the UN, the United Nations. The U.S. sanctions are approved by Congress only. So the two tracks, so when we reached an agreement with Iran regarding its nuclear program, the lifting of international sanctions went into effect, which means now European can do business with Iran, China can do business with Iran, Russia can do business with Iran. The American sanctions were still in place. And I recall I made an argument with somebody from the National Security Council regarding why American firms are not benefiting 
Right. Because, Everyone else is but us. Exactly. Because those are in the millions and millions of dollars. So you think about the jobs it's going to create. Mm -hmm. I tell you, I give you an example. For example, Airbus from Europe. They signed about $300 billion deal with Iran regarding the upgrade of their fleet mm -hmm. of the, um, the passenger uh, aircraft. Right. The U.S. couldn't do a thing because Congress had the sanctions still being imposed. It took some conversation after I had that mm -hmm. particular discussion with that individual from the National Security Council that three months later, Congress approved the lifting of sanctions on a partial just for Boeing to have an $80 billion contract with Iran. Is that how the approval process works for us? It's not an all or nothing approval from Congress? Where they have, they've they broken it up into little chunks and they yeah. have to approve little pieces of the deal? And that's what we how call, is that efficient? And that's what we call politics in Washington, D.C. Right. That's Welcome the Beltway politics. Worlds. That is correct. Welcome it's what goes world. behind closed doors. It's far beyond. So how does this affect for members of the C-suite watching this? How are they affected? What can they do? What needs to be done <laughs> well, for, for the, us to benefit? I mean... Well, what the comes next? The benefit to C-suite and the benefit to the clients for C-suite, especially the business community, is that they need to understand that now the path is open as far as business ventures, which means you might not do direct business with Iran, but you could do business with China that is involved in certain aspects of that. I'll give you a best example. China signed a contract with Iran that, that was worth $15 billion. Billion. Billion dollars, that is correct. Most of the contracts now with Haran are in billions, mm. not in the millions. So the business community in the U.S. needs to think in terms of we need to have a better understanding of the political landscape for us to decide if you are a CEO, you're going to have to think hard before you make that invest those millions and millions and millions right. of dollars. You're going to have to have a better understanding of the political read. Mm -hmm. That's what my book trying to provide. Right. The community with that. Right. So it's, they can make the right decisions. Absolutely. And wondering where does the business aspect enter? And that's where it does enter. And it's so crucial. Um, we're out of time, but I did want to mention that this book is legit. This book had to be approved by the Pentagon. That is correct. Most of my writings, articles or books, they have to be approved by the United States government. Right. As a former international security in Washington, I have to adhere to the regulations, right. which... I, I do, and they never objected to anything. Of mm -hmm. course, they have the right to decide or if I need to remove something. But no, it had to be right. approved, and that's why. Yeah. I already, if I may add, I already found the book in India. Ah. I found it in Canada. Excellent. Found it in China. Huh. I found it in uh, uh, Germany. Excellent. So this, I mean, this is and France. This is high-level stuff. This book took you about two years to write. That is correct. Okay. That and, is correct. And you, you have seven more books in the pipeline. That is correct. Wow. I'm currently working on the next one about Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is next. Yeah. And the one after that will be about Turkey, Egypt, then China and Russia. And do those also mix business with the political that is aspect? Correct. So it's it's a business book as well. That okay. is correct because it's globalized market. Correct. You cannot separate politics from. Economics, right? They go hand in hand, right? Which is why it's so important. If you are a member of the C-suite, if you're involved in business in any capacity, it's so important to read this book to see how you're affected. And we, we really didn't get it too much into it because I want people to read the book. But it's just kind. This gives them an idea of what to expect, and more importantly, the importance. Okay. <laughs> a little redundant there of why it's such a, an important read. So uh, thank you for being here, and this was this was a, a, a change for us, uh, a, a welcome change. So congratulations, and we look forward to uh, the Saudi Arabia. Thank book. you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And if you'd like more information on the book, just head to our website at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.